This is Marketing Smarts, a podcast committed to helping you become a savvier marketing leader no matter your level. In each episode, we will dive into a relevant topic or challenge that marketing leaders are currently facing. We will also give you practical tools and applications that will help you put what you learn into practice today. And if you missed anything, don't worry. We put worksheets on our website that summarize the key points. Now, let's get to it. Welcome to Marketing Smarts. I am Ann Candido. And I am April Martini, and today is another Marketing Smarts Classic, how to select an agency in today's world with my good friend and former co-worker, Scott Lucas, who's the Managing Director at Sterling. In this episode, we have a rich discussion about both the evolution of agency life, but also what it takes to succeed on both the client and agency front in these often tenuous relationships. Also, how the world of agency selection and partnership continues to change. We dive into the necessity for open and honest dialogue where true partnerships are born and the very best work results, and what happens also on the other side when things don't go so well. Whether you're listening to this one for the first time or the second, there's plenty to learn and put into practice around how to select an agency in today's world. So with that, let's get into the episode. As a current head of Sterling Cincinnati and having grown up quite literally with a dad that ran his own New York agency, he can give far more insight into this conversation than I can. Welcome, Scott. Tell everybody who you are. Thank you very much for having me, April and Ann. I'm happy to be here. Uh, My name is Scott Lucas, and I am the managing director of Sterling Cincinnati, uh, which many of the gang around town know as the former inner brand Cincinnati. If you've been around long enough, Mm -hmm. it used to be Hulefeld Cincinnati. (laughs) Oh my gosh. See, here we go. Yeah, right. Well, but that's (laughs) whole part of this change, right? Like agencies are changing and their names are changing and their owners are changing and their people are changing. And they have now are appealing in a very different way. Yep. So, but yes, I uh, I grew up in the industry, and before I had a job as an only child, this agency life was dinner table conversation, mm-hmm. and um, I often feel at times like I was raised as an account guy, um, <laughs> taught to solve problems in school and on the schoolyard as an account guy, um, because I just felt like that's what my dad knew and that's what he shared around the dinner table. Um, but then I uh, then I went to work there. Uh, humble beginnings, picking up uh, airline tickets because uh, oh, I'm that wow. old. Wow, when they were still printed. Yeah. You had to yeah. go to the file folder and pull out your whole packet. Yeah. yeah. I had to go like to the travel agency and like if it was a rush, I got to take a cab. Otherwise, it was a subway. You know, <laughs> oh, yeah. Giving you the real experience. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a certain age and we had paper tickets, right? And then I, you know, then I graduated to mailroom stuff and then I had to answer the phones and they kind of worked me through the... Through the system, but kind of then got in to get my first few accounts and kind of grew up on the account side. And I feel like I've had very much the same job from my first account management job. It just all changes size. It's the same thing. The pace and the size changes. I did uh, do a couple tours of duty in business development or new business or sales or whatever. That's where we met. We're trying to relabel ourselves. Yes, (laughs) that's where we met. And I think that'll be... Uh, helpful for today's conversation, kind of really drawing those probably those stories a little bit more. Um, but if uh, if you think that one job is exclusive of the other, you're absolutely wrong because mm-hmm. it's all relationships. And new business is short term friends, like Brad Pitt told us about on the airplane and Fight Club. <laughs> and, and, uh, Good reference. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and and client service, account management, I call it, is about long term relationships, uh, long term business partners, and when it's really golden long-term friends, mm. right? And I've had I've had clients become friends that are no longer clients but are still friends. And, like, there's a part of me that's pretty excited about that. And there's a part of me that looks at our monthly forecast and is like, damn, 
I want them to be clients again, not just friends. <laughs> so, Therefore, you know. business versus personal roles. Exactly. And yep. time for a beer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So with that and that awesome setup, we'll get right into how to select an agency in today's world. Number one, the agency should focus on problem solving, not process following. And I'm sure that for those of you that know me well, you're like, wait a minute, April is saying no to process. Well, that's not exactly what I am saying here. But my point here is that there were years in my career, and I'm sure Scott will have some things to say about this, where the agency was really the king, and therefore they felt like they were the ones that could really instill their process. And I can't tell you how many meetings we went into and just put the hammer down. And we're like, Mm -hmm. we know better than you. We know the best. This is our process. Take it or leave it. This is what you're dealing with. And I honestly and truly believe this was the downfall of a lot of agencies that stuck to their ego and really thought that this was going to be the way of the future and now looks back or is gone, quite frankly, thinking, um, okay, well, maybe that wasn't such a good way to look at things. And I think the ones that are really successful are the ones that lean more into this problem solving. And so to the point made in the intro around okay, there's you know an agency that may focus specifically on websites alone. That's not what we're talking about here. The agencies that have stayed afloat are the ones that really can think big picture about every business they're on, but also what might be coming in the future and what they need to stay up with. And so we talk a lot about working in and on your business at the same time and how hard that is. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what we're talking about here. It's like, okay, we're satisfying these clients. We're doing what they need us to do, but with an eye to what might be coming, what types of new clients, what their needs might turn into, and how overall the landscape of consumerism is going to change so that we can stay up to date with trends and things that are coming down the pike in a much better way than some of our competition, quite frankly, so that we can be relevant. Yeah, I, I think there's a there's an interesting um, uh, kind of life cycle here as well. So and kind of before we all talked about process and we thought process was the way to both win and do the business, mm-hmm. um, there was magic, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, agencies used to do something our clients couldn't do and they didn't know how to do it. They didn't have the talent. Um, only agencies had designers. Only agencies mm-hmm. had Max. Only agencies had Illustrator. Only agencies had art departments, production houses, whatever whatever part of the industry you're in. Then as the in-house creative team, the in-house agency, the democratization of design and design software and application kind of rolled out, the agencies had to lean into the process. Like, okay, you've got somebody and okay, you've got a couple computers and okay, you've got now a head of design and you've got – so you've got some of the same tools – well, uh, if you don't believe in our magic anymore because you bought it, now you have to lean in on our process. And we mm-hmm. do it all day. You don't do it all day. We do it all day. It's all we do. So we all leaned into process as our way to keep the business. And our process is different than the other guy's process. And the team down the street process is different from that was really kind of how we thought we could win business. Reality was we all had the same stuff. Yep. We all had mm-hmm. the same process. We all had the same pictures in our portfolio, the same dots on a map, right? Um now, I think where we are is very much what we talked about is that it's it's more open, right? Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. more about, okay, we all have some magic. We all have some process. We all have some talent and we all have some tools. Let's do it together. You get to know our business and we'll get to know yours. Yeah. Like our, when we have a client that understands our business, weirdly how we make our money, they're a better client because they understand kind of where we're, where the friction points are. And mm-hmm. if we understand their business – 
and how they're trying to market and sell and grow and promote, we do better too, right? So it's not about mine's different than yours or I have something you don't. It's about kind of we're all in it in it together. Yeah, we often talk about the fact that, you know, we are the ones that bring kind of that, and I'm, I think I'm even preempting a, a different point here, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, we're the ones that know more about different types of business versus our clients being the experts in their business. And so I think the problem-solving piece of this point is really about what you just said. It's really getting in and learning what they do and respecting what they do, but then them respecting yeah. us back yep. to say, okay, I understand what you're bringing to the table. Because I think for a while, what did really happen there was there was so much contention, right? Because yeah. the clients had things that we had and we were like, you're nowhere near as good as we are, right? Yeah. And there was like kind of <laughs> that like natural tension tendency for egos to really flare. But that unsure footing, which I think is really the important point of what you brought up, it's like things have to evolve the way they evolve sometimes is messy, and so we're looking for the next thing to kind of solve that path for us. Yeah. And and messy used to be such a bad word. Yeah. Right. And messy was you didn't know what you're doing or you're inefficient or you're wasting time or you never you don't have any good ideas. Now yep. messy is great because messy means we're kind of we're kind of all in it together. Yep. In in a lot of ways. I was gonna give some perspective from the client side. I knew this was gonna happen. Right. So a little bit of balancing the power. We have a proctoid in the room. I know, but you know, <laughs> but I, I love what you said because that was always the approach I always wanted to take with my agency. It was the more collaborative uh, effort with regards to bringing the collective creativity, the collective expertise to the table. It never seems to work that way in execution, though. Yeah. So my, my 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 question is is like how or what what advice would you have for people who are still struggling with that? Because I can say I'm only I'm three years out of P and G, but I am guaranteeing you it's not any different than when I left, which is still the expectation of you brief the agency, you give them everything that you could possibly give, the agency comes back with work, you like just basically throw up all over the work because it's not what you expected to see, you send them back again. They come back again. You're like, still not what I want. And then after five iterations, they basically just get you, give you what you like wanted at the initial, but you never were going to be that prescriptive because you wanted the agency to be quote unquote creative. So any suggestions (laughs) for how to get through that dynamic of that back and forth that can break through all of that noise? Messiness in a bad way. Well, yeah, there's (laughs) definitely bad messy, right? Because there's there's good messy that... You know, it's the it's the pile of ideas, and there's that one glimmering idea, right? Oh, that pile, idea, that messy pile is great because at the top of that is what we were all looking for. Mm-hmm. The other one is like I have gone through this messy pile over and over again, yeah. and you're not getting me what I need, and that's that's bad messy. Um, there's a part of that uh, that journey, that process that I think has to be there because it's 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 why we're in this dance together. Right. It's why client and agency are working together um, because they have clients have outsourced the need for ideas or a solution or even an execution. That's how it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 that's the transaction right at the this is a business transaction like this. Great if clients become friends and we all go out for peace and beer. But there's a there's a business transaction that that is underlying all of this. Right. And those those rounds of briefings and work that hopefully the the funnel narrows as opposed to continues to get wider, that's the basis kind of of the transaction of the engagement. The frustration comes when, um, much like in any relationship, you don't feel like you're being listened to, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, 
On the other end, I don't feel like you're explaining it to me in a way that I'm able to understand it. Um, that that round and round must be there in my mind because it's what we do, agency and client. The way that that round and round is structured and the tools we use to move it forward and get off of the merry-go-round, I think is the big difference in both the relationship and the work. Mm. And if you have to say the same thing twice, you're not saying it right or we're not understanding it right. And it's really a communications and a relationship challenge. It's not, that's a problem of the brief, not of the work. Mm. Now, I'm not saying you wrote a bad brief, client. We might not understand the brief as the agency. The brief might be spot on and we don't understand it. So I think what really helps is having um, clients and agencies in those dialogues that have the ability to see the flags and raise those flags and say, mm. this feels like feedback we've heard before. Mm -hmm. So there's something here. Like you shouldn't have to say the same thing twice because we shouldn't have to retread the same idea more than once. If it doesn't hit the objectives, it doesn't reach the brief, it doesn't test well, oh my God, we're already that far down, um, we need to, to work on it better. And if, and if we are saying of these options, nothing here works, well, our kind of consideration set of options is off and we need to come back with a different set, but we need to say, what is that set? The, the scariest thing um, for us is I'll know it when I see it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we used to call that, oh, go get a rock. Oh, no, not that rock. A different yeah, rock. Yeah, exactly. exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. right yeah. So, and all of this boils down to how do we avoid, I know it when I'll see it. Mm -hmm. Right. And because and, that is, I don't really know what I want. I don't really know what you want. And we're just going to spin the wheel and just hope it lands there. And that's, that's, there's, that's no way to have a relationship, agency and client. It's no way for you to spend your money. It's no way for us mm -hmm. to ever make any money. And we sure won't win in the end at the shelf or in the marketplace mm. with that. Well, and I think you said a few things that are really important and really go to this point about being problem solvers. One is being brave enough to speak up when those things are happening, right? Yeah. We've talked on the show a lot about Midwestern nice, but even if you're not in the Midwest, it's like you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or you don't want to be too harsh or you don't want to say I hate it. When really sometimes if you just said that on either side, mm -hmm. <laughs> that would be the yeah. thing to do. But also with that, I think it's asking the right questions about why we're doing what we're doing in a lot of cases, because I think sometimes, especially when you have more of those transactional type relationships or you've done this dance a million times or whatever, sometimes you get the brief and it's like, OK, we've done this before. We know how to do this. Mm -hmm. We're going to deliver this, this and this. And then you just go. Yeah. Instead of taking a look to say, time out. I'm not really sure why this is what you're asking for, client or client saying, time out, agency. I don't know why this is what you got to. I must not have explained this well. I think you just keep going with those iterations, thinking that something is going to solve it when it's just digging a bigger hole and then everyone forgets what we were doing in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and you, there has to be a sense of um, you can't be too proud in it. Yes. Right. Because yes. we've had a we've had situations where on both sides where this isn't what I asked for. But I can't tell them that because I might have asked for the wrong thing and it makes me look like a bad client. Mm. Or yeah. like, you know, the, you, you make the presentation, oh, we'll get your feedback tomorrow. And as the account guy, you call them for your feedback session. You're so excited to hear how happy they were. And they're like, that's completely wrong. And, you know, you're just like, oh, I don't want to upset you, client. I'm just going to say, yeah, that's all our fault. 
we're going to redo it for you. We'll do a whole nother round because I just don't want to like admit we're wrong or I didn't understand it or I strategy yeah. or I didn't have a strategist. I did it myself last night. Like whatever it is, right? You don't <laughs> like the whole idea of like, it's okay to be wrong, right? This is, this is such an inexact science and it's, right. it's very messy and messy is okay. So you have to be brave enough to say, this isn't what I wanted. There's something wrong here. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's a. Maybe we were just all off. Um, but let's try to figure out what it is. Mm. And that and that's hard to do because you don't. We're just everybody's trying to hang on to the clients, to the business, to yeah. the revenue. Yeah. That any time that you want to stand up and rock the boat, it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. But you have to do it if if you want to have a healthy business and if you want to have good work, which will get you more of a healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think long term, too, it's going to keep that client going yeah. instead of just getting that project, like you said, being yeah. afraid to hold on. But the last thing you want is to come out and be like, well, we're not going to continue that relationship. Yeah. yeah. Those 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 tough conversations with clients around work or around process, around budget, they're rough. And we dread them, especially those of us on the side of the business that are just trying to make everybody happy. <laughs> you know, like, that's me. That's my whole like, ethos. Uh, but. They pay off in the end, yeah. right? And they're happier in the end. And it's like, all right, like I'll, I'll, we're all going to be unhappy today, but it's going to pale in comparison to unhappy we'd be at the end if we let this thing completely go south. Right. Good point. All right. Point number two, the agency's client lists are diversified versus homogenous. Okay. So I think this is another pivotal point, and I'll be interested to hear your comments on this too, Scott, about how the industry goes back and forth a -hmm. little bit where this is concerned. So I think for a long time, there was a whole period of time, and I lived through a lot of it, where having experience in a particular business, and literally to the point of like my competitor down the street, was actually a really good thing. And what it led to for the agency for a while was really easy business, right? It was like, okay, I worked on that furniture store and then this one came knocking and then this one came knocking and all of a sudden we do like four back-to-back furniture stores. And then it was like, oh, okay, now we have convenience stores tied to gas stations. Okay, we got this one and then we got this one. And nobody seemed to care as long as you weren't working on them at the same time. And they looked at it as a gain if you'd worked on their competition because, one, they thought they were going to get some insight into what you'd learned from them. But also it was like, okay, we're probably going to get there faster, cheaper, easier because they know my business. They speak my language. And I think what we've changed to today is it's better to have more experience across different businesses than so much concentrated in one, especially given how much our world has changed. And that's everything from digital to curveballs like COVID to all the things that are have gone on and continue to go on, as well as that old agency model kind of dying away of just give us the check and we'll give you all the work. And so now you're having to work harder for the dollars, but you're also having to be a whole lot smarter at the same time. And so I'll give this one anecdote that a client gave me and it has stuck in my head. It was like three years ago. And this guy was really happy at the end of the partnership. And I was like, okay, Chris, what do you think worked really well? And he was like, honestly, he's like, you know, I know. And he made this reference with his hands of like, vertically speaking, he knows this depth about his business, but horizontally, 
he's really tight just within that business. And he's like, what you bring to the table is we tell you what's going on and you pull from all these other projects, businesses, industries, examples, things that you've worked with. And we get that insight, but our brains don't work that way. And so you're putting the puzzle together at a much more macro level and it complements our micro view on our business. Mm -hmm. But then we can quickly play back and vet what we think might work or not based on the depth. And I think when you get to that and you have that experience of a diversified set of clients, all those sorts of things, you provide a much better service, insight, output, all of those types of things to the clients because you just think a totally different way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got I've got a couple responses here. So like, okay. feel free to edit Go whichever ones you want out later. Right. <laughs> so I'll give you I'll give you a couple options. I'll try to put a break in the middle okay. um, on that last point about what your client said about kind of being vertically deep and not very horizontally broad. One of the things that I've said a lot is what works really well between agency and client is clients have such kind of expertise in the product in the category, in the channel, with the buyer, with the distribution channel, with the shopper, maybe the secondary user, with the competition, right? With the history of the category, all that sort of stuff. Agencies come to the table with experience, right? Just like you said, as broad as it can be, like, like hey, maybe I've not worked in this category, but I've worked with that shopper. Maybe I haven't worked in your category, but I know that channel and why people shop club versus whatever, right? And I understand this is a move to become an online purchase, and maybe it's more of a, a subscription-based purchase, and it needs to be this, but I'm not in your category, right? So there's a lot of great reasons you can have broad experience and match it with deep expertise. It kind of works, it works really well. The other part, back to just credentials, is... Yeah, it was great, right? You'd, you'd be the agency that was great at food, the great agency that was great mm -hmm. at booze or cigarettes or furniture. <laughs> and that was really easy to do the work. You knew the category. You knew where to do the photo shoot. You knew who the right people were. Um, and it was very easy to help move your client's business just a little bit forward. Yeah. Um, and you're right. They loved it because like, hey, maybe like you worked on the other guy and he'll tell me what they were doing. Mm -hmm. They loved it until they left and then they didn't want you to right. work with anybody else. Yep. Right. So that was always a challenge too, is is how much can we disclose? How much did we actually work on? Is this something we promote? And how many of these brands can we actually like take on before it becomes uncomfortable for us? Yes. Because it's great. I, I had a, a run in my career before I moved to Cincinnati where I worked on several diabetes brands in a that's and, interesting. Yeah, it was really yeah. it was an interesting for 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 big global healthcare companies. We worked on one, two, three, back to back. And um, that expertise in the category, that understanding of the disease state, of the of the key opinion leaders that are somewhere between patient and doctor and endocrinologists and understanding the healthcare marketplace and the difference between somebody who gets their healthcare through their employer or pays cash at Walmart, right? That was invaluable to those three pieces of business. And it was great to work on them. But at the end, we had a sense of, we can't do this anymore because these ideas, that well is running out. Mm -hmm. And we don't, we want to make sure that we can put solutions out there that work for our clients, that move their business forward and feel differentiated from everybody else. And we said, okay, that's, that's it. What's the last one we're going to work on? Now, nobody ever came calling. And I was going to say, actually, that was going to be my question. Yeah, yeah, Did could, you turn it down? Yeah, I can say, and we'll save that conversation for later. But but, you know, we didn't have to say that. We didn't have to get to that point. And there wasn't a fourth global 
diabetes brand that came knocking. But that was really, it helped us do that work. And I think it helped us do the work better because we truly understood all those interesting factors. Um, you don't want to be your dentist's first patient. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, like, and there's a reason Sounds that painful. like, yeah, that's right. There's a reason that doctors are like residents and interns and all those things before they, they become it. And brands are so valuable. And these projects now have such an impact because it's instant, right? And, yeah. and change is happening so fast that clients are looking for somebody that they can trust. And if you haven't worked in their space, have you solved their problem? Mm-hmm. And if you haven't worked in their space and you haven't solved their problem, do you understand what they're trying to do or who they're trying to appeal or how they're trying to market, right? And it's it's that comfort and confidence, right? They're looking for comfort in you as an agency, as a team, as people, but confidence that you can actually solve the problem, right? And yeah, confidence was like, we worked in every furniture brand. So sure, like we, we know that category and you can be comfortable with us because we understand it. But- is that where's the project, where's the client that the well's dry, Yeah. Mm-hmm. right? And how do you stay fresh? And with change happening so fast, that's, that's important. Yeah, I think what you mentioned with regards to it's about solving the problem is such a key factor here. And it goes back to the, the first point is that when, when you see a diversified, you know, called the logo farmer, you know, client list or whatever you want to call it, you know, to me that indicates whoever is in this agency knows their stuff, right? Because branding and marketing is a philosophy. It's not a process. It's a way that you solve problems, right? So when you have a diversified list, it's like, oh, that person knows how to solve a bunch of different problems across a bunch of different industries, which must mean they have a nice fine-tuned philosophy for branding and marketing, right? So I think that's a really huge asset, and, and I think that really helps with the, diversifi- the diversification of thinking, mm-hmm. especially now where, like you said, like you just give over the check. Well, the check used to be, I want five commercials. Yeah. Right? And now it's the check is, check. I want a digital program. I want social to go with it. I want, you know, I, I still want a TV spot, but then I want um, earned media, and I want payment, and I want all of this stuff together. There's not one industry that does that that's isolated from like, okay, that's the model. Like everybody should do it just like that. The, the diversity of thought and the diversity of experience comes from understanding how different industries are doing that and being able to pull from those where you're like, oh, you know what? This could use a little bit of a, a beauty kick. In beauty, we do it like this. It may be a totally unrelated category, but it adds something to it. And that's what I think is the beauty of being able to to work on different clients and being able to see that. But I still think a lot of clients approach it first of all, like and I see it all the time through inquiries a week. It's like, well, have you worked in our industry? I'm like, I don't need to work in your industry. Oh. I'm like, you tell me how your industry operates. I'll tell you how branding and marketing is going to solve the problems that you're facing. So I think it's a very interesting point that you brought up. Yeah. And 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 that used to be a, a an opening question. Yeah. Have you worked mm-hmm. in this space? And there are some categories that are that still have that as a bit of a hangover. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, beauty, cosmetics, uh, spirits. Um, there's a I think few. Healthcare's one healthcare's too. Healthcare's one too, right? And sometimes it's because of um, the image based nature of the category. Mm-hmm. A lot of fragrance, cosmetic spirits. But a lot of times it's regulated categories. Right. Right. Yeah. We, and then, you know, once that became a thing, healthcare agencies, 
agencies that specialized in each regulated category popped up because, hey, we're now experts in, in the regulations that you struggle with and we know how to market within and around and around them. You know, and that 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 logo farm, that logo quilt, those slides, you know, we at the agency want you to get confidence and trust, right? If they trusted us, you should too. Right. Right. Like there's that there. And you're looking at that from a point of view that says, okay, they've solved a lot of great problems in a lot of different categories for a lot of different companies. Um, that's awesome to hear. But we also want you to say, oh, wow, well, well, those guys did. Well, yeah, sure. Well, then they've got to be good. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so if the, re you know, if the reviewer likes the food, I should go in there and I should like it too. Right. That kind of thing. Well, it's also, it gives you some scope of what they're able to do within the flexibility of budget too. Mm, so yeah. I was just looking yeah. at, you know, we're, we're looking um, to kind of grow our bench. And I was looking at somebody's client list. I was like, oh, well, she can solve problems for small businesses. She can solve problems for medium size, for large businesses. So I know she had solutions that fit all those budgets, which is what we need when we, because we have a range of clients that have a range of different needs. So I also think if you're strategic about what you put on there, it shows that element of it too. So um, not only can you produce quality work, you produce quality work for all size businesses, which is super important, especially for those small and mid-sized businesses always feel like they can only afford, you know, the C-level agencies or the D-level freelancers. And, you know, and they feel like that's where all the baggage conversations come from. Right. So, um, yeah, I think your point is well taken. Yeah. Yeah, I've spent know, so many hours on logo farms. I can't even tell you. Oh yeah, orchestrating which ones and which placement, and do we put in the industry and do we not? And yeah, it's, so it's good that they work. It's highly yeah. strategic. <laughs> I think so. It's high. It, we put and 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 I've said every agency has that logo farm page, and and we always often get like, oh, we got to do this, and we're we're we've just spent a half an hour like moving them around, talking which one, but it's really important. And it is. you know, Anne, and you just you just you kind of validated that for us, right? And it's. Those new business moments, those first times with the client, the first time a new client sees that that farm, you know, it's like inviting somebody to a party. Yeah. And you want to have all of your guests at that party impress them. Well, I want you to be impressed by these like old world established friends I have. And I want you to be impressed by these upstart hipster friends I have. Exactly. And I want you to be impressed by the friends that know me super well. And if you ask me like, who here knows you the best and I can ask about you, I'll point to them real quick, but I need them to be at the party. And if they're not on the quilt, they're not not at the party, right? So yep. it's it's how do I orchestrate that moment, which is just one of many moments we orchestrate and we cast and we produce in those in those conversations. Yeah. All right. Number three, the one trick pony agency model has been replaced by the jack of all trades agency model. So first of all, I will start here and make fun of us at the table that are agency folks. Around the point that we were notorious for always saying that we could do it all, no we matter what. We always will. We will always <laughs> say we could do wait, it all. Wait, I defer from this comment because <laughs> I was on the other side for a long time. We don't promise we could do it all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying the agency promises. Oh, okay. Yes, that is yeah. true. Yeah, so we'll come to the table and you'll say you need... I don't know. Like I remember, PR was always a big one because it wasn't yep. like we were. It was always an adjacent. It was oh, yeah. never I, like an I actual. I sniffed that out in five minutes. And so we would be like, "Oh yeah, we do PR. Oh really? You have it in house? Well, we have a partner that. Oh really? Well, which partner? Because we're pretty familiar with. Well, we'll get back to you. We have on partners in that. different categories, specialties, yeah. and different sizes, and yeah. really depends yeah. on their capacity to take on this project right now. But we can get back to you on who that would be. Yeah. Yeah. You only said that once or twice. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Got the responses like, on the ready. Oh, yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> so the point of this is, is yes, we all do the song and dance and we won't, to your point, Scott, we will never probably stop doing that. 
But I think, Anne, you made the point before around what is the ask now and how is it so very different? And I I do. I agree. It was like it was just it was much simpler. Right. It was like if we're going to be your AOR for TV, like you said, then really our calendar was made. Right. Well, how many spots are we doing this year? What's the budget? How many concepts do we need to come up with? All of those types of things. And and that process worked. It just kind of rolled out and it was what it was. Now, because not only do you have to be able to bring the expertise to do the work to the table, you also have to know even more than that about what surrounds your expertise. And Mm -hmm. so when I say jack of all trades here, I'm really not saying that agencies should always be saying we can do it all, even though we'll do it anyway. But what I think is smart and the agencies have gotten smarter have pragmatically evolved their offerings based on what makes sense for them to do. And they become a jack of all trades in all of those spaces. But then they also understand the bigger landscape beyond that. So it is less of those PR like, oh, yeah, we we, we do PR. Yeah, yeah, we do it. You know, and it would be more of. Well, we understand the PR space, but we understand it enough to know that that is not our area of expertise. However, based on all the other work we are doing, we work with PR folks that have a much stronger understanding of PR. But because we are the agency that does all these other things, we will help with the integration, the best messaging. What does that look like? All of those types of things. And I think we are seeing a lot of the smaller players for a while, at least, were like, okay, we do digital. Okay, we do social. Okay, we do Mm -hmm. websites. And those are either being gobbled up by the big guys and sort of, you know, integrated in, or they're going away entirely because clients and who are consumers are getting savvier to the fact that if I do my website over here and I do my social social media over here and, you know, my packaging looks like this, the consumer's not going to have any idea, oh, by the way, they get, what, seven to 10,000 messages a day? And so how in the world are they going to pick me versus the others? And so I think when looking for an agency, the idea is to hear that they can do much more than just the one thing and then also how they approach the bigger picture. But the fact that they will give you the strategic foundation that will work across any of those things and they have enough breadth of the doing that they can solve the problems creatively as far as that scope of the execution goes. Yes, I couldn't I couldn't agree more with that kind of the point of view and the assessment on, you know, we've all said we can do something. Yes. Right. We've all jumped in and said, I know we're here to talk about Apple, Apple, but if you throw in the orange, we'll figure out how to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go back to the office and you're like, shit. And you know how to salad did yeah. you guys a fruit salad. <laughs> 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 exactly. Who's worked on oranges? Um, and and I think that kind of goes back to a little of that fear of like, we don't want to rock the boat and we want to get as many clients. We want to hang on to them. And, and that's important. But, you know, good work will get clients at the end of the day. And doing work that you're good at is kind of how you how you can get to that space. You know, there's been a – at the beginning when I introduced myself, I said, you know, Hulefeld, Interbrand, Sterling. Um, that's been an evolution. Right. And, yeah. and Hulefeld was a production house here in town mm-hmm. that the Interbrand organization bought to marry up to an agency that I was at in New York. Right. So we went from production to package design. Um, and as Sterling, we've evolved from package design to really strategic branding. And in that space in strategic branding, we still have a core of that business that is often something physical. It's often a folded carton, a box, mm-hmm. a can, something mm-hmm. like that. But as as strategic design partners for our clients, there's touch points that radiate out from there. And some of them we're great at. Some of it that we've got real talented people that can work on in the digital space, in the social space, in the messaging space, in the strategic space. And some of them are on the next ring out 
where we've got partners that we work with that are part of the Omnicom organization that we're, we're a part of. Those walls have come down a lot. So, you know, there's a moment where we will all instinctively lean forward yeah. and start mm-hmm. to say yes. The difference is now we have more options. You go back 10, 15 years, you had the people in the building, you had the things you could do, and everything else was not accessible or a very difficult, complex arrangement or now, even when you had offices in different cities, even when you had hard. office in different cities, right? It was really hard. Now, collaboration across offices, across networks, across disciplines, across agencies inside of a holding company, and even across full-time employees and part-time employees and freelance resources, it's a whole different game. And you know, I want clients to hear that. Yes, we can do that. And yes, we can do it all. Stay a little skeptical, but hear us out. Because we can really do more of it than we did years ago. Yeah. And I'm not, I mean, yes, Sterling can too, but also our industry is different. Collaboration and access are, are very different. Yeah. I think your point about the walls coming down, I guess I hadn't I hadn't internalized that before this episode, but I think that is a really important point because I think for a long time it was hold all this close because we're the ones that know how to do this the best and we don't want any help from you guys mm-hmm. out there. And now I think because the world has changed so much because there's more access, just purely like access to be able to talk to people, but also beyond that, the willingness to say that person, quite frankly, is better than we are. So why wouldn't we bring them to the table as part of us? Mm -hmm. That just makes us better. I think there has been a lot of that. And even in a space where I still think egos are pretty strong, I mean, you still see now we still have the arguments about creative versus the strategy and all of those types of things, they still very much exist and they are alive. Um, But I think that letting go at least of being able to say, I don't know, I personally don't know how to do it all. And we are going to be better if we find the people that do instead of claiming we do and then scrambling. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you're, you're absolutely right. And there will always be the, the us and them, the, the strategy and the design, right? There's there'll always be the sharks and the jets in the agency world, right? It's it's <laughs> it's gonna be there. But I think we've all learned you can't have one without the other. Yeah. And and they make each other better. Um, and I think it helps that we all have kind of a broader view of the ripples that our work put into the pond. Yeah. Right. And we used to think about, I just got to pick up the rock and then you throw the rock and then somebody counts the ripples and then everyone will all go home. Yeah. Now we're kind mm-hmm. of all in it together. And when we all do that, the ripples are huge. They go on forever and they can really have an impact. Right. And it's it's used to be very much go back to the process conversation. You know, team A starts with it, hands it off to team B. They take it to a different floor. They give it to team C. They take it back downstairs. Right now, the work and the, machine. The, team, the machine, right? You feed it yeah. in and you feed it out. Right now, working together across disciplines, working together across parts of the agency, and quite frankly, working with our clients more collaboratively than we ever did before, the work is better. And in that moment, you're inherently able to do more. Yeah. Right. You're able to say, yeah, we can do that because we're not just feeding it into a machine that feeds out one thing. Yeah. And I think as you're, if you are trying to seek out an agency that thinks like this and it's, it's like-minded like this, always ask about the end game, the ecosystem, and see if they understand this idea of the ecosystem. I mean, even I'll go back to, you know, again, vetting some PR agencies for our benches. When I talked to this specific agency about like, what she does and how she handles her PR, she's like, 
yes, you know, we'll create all the stuff you needed to go pitch, but then we also will teach the social agency how to take that content, put it into social posts. And by the way, we have a graphic designer if you need that help in order to actually create those social posts. Then we'll get all the analytics and we'll feed that back and we'll try to see how, you know. So it's like this system in, 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 in put in place to understand that, understands the ecosystem, understands how all the different parts play together and how you have to create that ecosystem. And so that's, to me, like that triggers like the smartness of understanding the end game, which is about that the fact that the consumers need five or six touch points in order to really understand and and and, and especially if you're something new into their um, their environment, they need that like five or six hits, and you need to hit them at different places, not just one through one channel. And so if somebody can't articulate how to take their thing and diversify it across your channels, that should be a big red flag. Absolutely. All right, number four. Good agencies know that relationships continue to be the name of the game. So I will start here by saying this is one thing that has not changed. It will always be true. Scott has already said some of this. And I think that the point here is that it can't be transactional because we're not making widgets, right? We might at the end of the day be making a package, sure, or a digital ad or a social ad or whatever the case might be. But here we're talking about all, well, all the things we've said so far in this conversation, you know, understanding the business, knowing that the client has the expertise, you know, vertically and we have it horizontally and we can bring all these different experiences to the table. It's just so much more than standing on a factory line and creating that part. And so I think the agencies that have done the other things we've talked about here of really evolving and being smart about what's to come and understanding the trends and getting the digital space and knowing when to say we need different partners, all of that kind of stuff, that's all one thing. But on the other side, if you can't build relationships, you may as well not do it. And I think that the ones that really work well, I mean, Scott, you said like going out for beer and pizza and all of that. And I think that definitely that's part of it. And we all want to make friends and we want to have a good time and all of those types of things. But I think trust and respect and then the subsequent confidence that comes from both sides and the willingness, like we were talking before, to really hear and appreciate each other for what we're saying and what we bring to the table. And then checking the egos, you know, good ideas can come from anywhere. I can be the assistant account executive that used to, you know, get coffee or it can be, you know, the tech guy who happens to come in that day and he has an understanding of how things are executed on the back end. Whatever it is, all of the people coming together at the table and then focusing really first on the relationship and then being able to do to produce good work is just so important. And it's not relationship from a just, oh, we like to have fun together. It's like in the relationship. We'll have the hard conversations. We'll vet things out. We'll bring you to the table. We won't leave you handcuffed coming out of a conversation. We'll give you the feedback right there instead of calling you tomorrow to break the news that it didn't hit. You know, all of these types of things, I think they just come back to trust and honesty and how we should be treating people. And I think that in... The early stages of agency life, there was some of that. But because, like you said at the beginning, the creative was just like, right, like it was the big unveiling and it was like, we're going to bring the best idea and you can't do this and we can, you know, there, there really mm-hmm. wasn't that uh, heavy lifting investment, whatever you want to call it, into building the relationship. Because as soon as you didn't come with the best idea, you were gone, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so I just think, I don't know, I guess I just feel like this one becomes so much more important, especially if we're pulling partners in from other groups or we're, you know, expanding what we can do or we're asking our clients for patience on the agency side as we learn or try something with them that we haven't done before. All of those types of things and the vulnerability that comes with being able to do that because the relationship is strong. Yeah. And that and and what like the vulnerability is so scary. Right. It's yes. like, yeah, like we might not know everything or we might have to put our guard down. We might have to like lean in. But it it's so important. And it, it really is the foundation uh, of those relationships. This is such an interesting topic. And there's there's so much here because, yeah, it's not always about going out and having fun and having beers right there. Mm-hmm. We've had clients that that don't want to do that. We have clients that need to go home for other reasons at mm-hmm. the end of the day. Or clients that will come to see us and go home right away, or we'll go see them and they're not going to want to go out. That's great. And think about the last two years. We've had new clients yeah. that we haven't even met in person. Yeah. We haven't been in the same city, let alone the same room as some of these new clients. And those challenges of setting up relationships are hard. And and it's, I think the first thing you said is it it's not widgets and it can't be transactional. And today's the perfect case in point. We're going to take an hour out of our day. We're going to record this podcast. And we're going to go about our way. That's transactional. Right. Or 15 minutes before the podcast, April and I have competing texts that say, what would you like from Starbucks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Because because it's not just about the 60-minute recording. Mm-hmm. That's the transaction. That's the widget for today. But around the widget is getting to know Anne. Mm-hmm. It's having a coffee. It's understanding that it's 3 o'clock and we all might want a drink. Or that instantly puts everybody's guard down, that we've brought a coffee, that we've asked what you want. Right? I had to text skinny vanilla latte. All right, I'm fine. I'll put that in there. That's what I like. You know, that's how I, that's how I want <laughs> That's it. vulnerable. There was yeah. no judgment. Well, yeah. maybe a little bit of judgment, but not. <laughs> well, they just don't have the, the Christmas sugar cookie one, which was the greatest. <laughs> I really love that. Right? Now we're getting to the really real. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And how do you, how do you take, and, and like, those are like little client service tricks, right? I, I have had for years, I've had people Starbucks orders in their contact information on my phone. Mm-hmm. Right. So that I know that if I'm working with creative director, strategy director, team member, I can and they're having a tough day or it's going to be a long night or I have to come in and say, guess who didn't like the last round? I can do it <laughs> right <laughs> with with the coffee. Um, but th- there's yeah, there's going out for drinks. There's Starbucks. There's remembering birthdays. But kids names, kids names, names exactly. spouses names, <laughs> funny stories, things like that. Anecdotes. But. At the end of the day, it's having a human connection, right? And it's understanding that what they're in this moment for, having them understand what you're in the moment for, and that while this project and this creative presentation is the reason we know each other, we are people outside of this 60-minute meeting and these boards we brought and these ideas we're super excited to share and hope you like. And let's try to get to know outside of that widget 60 minutes who we are and those are the parts of the relationship that carry on, right? And they can carry on through that work being the best work ever or that work falling flat on its face. If it's transactional, it's over. If it's a real relationship, it can handle that. I, I think the shared experience part, and even like if you're not together physically, the, having the shared experience, however that shows up, is so critically important. And again, like you said, it doesn't have to be over drinks. It, it just has to be some Authentic. sort of common, like, thing that you're doing together and you achieve something and yeah. it doesn't even have to be an adversity, but something that you can like say that you did together. And I think that's really, really important. And then on the other um, point I wanted to make here is too, is that from the, on the client side, my 
biggest success criteria for an agency, and I knew that I had a really good relationship, is if I felt like they were operating as an extension of me. It didn't necessarily have to be like they were going to do everything that I was that I would do and they did it right, but they couldn't anticipate, right? They knew like, oh, if we bring this to Anne and we haven't talked about this, you know, it's going to be like an issue. So we need to kind of talk her through it. We need to give her a heads up or like, hey, we heard this, you know, in, 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 in on the other side, you know, and, and we need to kind of give her that heads up or she's going to be like surprised and she doesn't like to be surprised, you know. And so I could always count, you know, on these agencies that acted like extensions of me to be able to work in a team environment. And it made it so much easier to have the authentic connect, uh, conversations, to have the transparency, to have the vulnerability, because I knew if something happened, it was going to come back to me within the team. I had other agencies that when I did something, it went up to my boss's 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 boss and then came back down. That's a horrible place to be. I mean, that you can't you can't do that and expect to have a relationship of trust and integrity. So those are the points I wanted to make on that one. They're, they're great points. And and the operating as an extension of your team is is a shared gold standard for relationships. Mm-hmm. Right. We want you to feel that way about us. Um, that means that we've done two things. We truly understand your business and the problem we're solving, but we understand your role in solving this problem or your That's team's role. That's a really role. good point. Yes. Right. And, and you honor that and you respect that. Yeah. Yeah. And how can we help and you, don't you achieve undermine that? It. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and agencies have gotten greedy and tried to undermine it thinking they're going to, they're going to make it better. Or they're going to make the relationship bigger, but it's really about kind of just helping achieve that goal. And doing that great work and and moving that forward. Yeah. Um, and I, I might be, I might be jumping ahead here, but you know one of the things that that I've said a couple times throughout my career to help us build that that relationship in a meaningful way at the very beginning is as we walk as we learn to get to know a client and we start to talk about the project and we start to put the proposal together and we've got dollars and cents on there and it's maybe it's scary it's three four five six hundred thousand dollar project maybe it's bigger maybe it's smaller. And the team's like, all right, I think they're going to think they're going to buy it. Do you think it's the right scope? Do you think it's the right price? And I said, let's not think of it just as the dollars and cents. Yeah. It's not that brand manager's $350,000. Yep. It's it's that brand's, it's that organization's $350,000. It's that brand manager's case study to say, I'd like to be a VP of marketing now. Yep. Or the design manager in that same equation on that same project you know, it's not their brand, but it's a design solution that they'll put in their portfolio to become the head of design at another organization. And maybe it has to do with their performance evaluation. Maybe it has to do with their desire to get promoted or get out or get to a different level. And then, you know, there's a knock on the door and a procurement person walks in and says, I'd like to look at that proposal too. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, the knock at the door. Right? Like, and it was going to knock on the table, but I wasn't sure about the mics and the levels. But like, <laughs> well, what's their motivation, right? Like we instantly go into defensive mm-hmm. mode because here they are trying to make like our project smaller and challenge us. Well, they have some sort of metric in their personal performance evaluation that has to show a savings. Yep. Right? And they're going to come in and say, well, you said this project was $350,000. In the back of their mind, I have to show savings. They're like, can you do it for 300 Then their storyline to their boss and their performance evaluation is, well, I saved X percentage on that big branding project we did in May, right? So how do we make sure we understand everybody's motivation? That helps us build that relationship. might not change the price. It might not change the scope of work. But when they have a question about it, 
is that really the right way to do it? Is that really the right number of options? Is that really the right timing? Mm-hmm. We understand kind of where they're coming from in, in that moment. And I think the point to make there, too, is as you hear us talking, it's not done in a manipulative way. Because I think that that is sometimes what the perception is, like game playing or, okay, this is another piece of information we need to have or those kinds of things. And I think when I was young in my career in this, I always kind of saw it as like, oh, we're, we're just pushing buttons and we're, do, you know, like we're just trying to make the sale. and we're. Do-. But I think the, the point of this point, right, is about doing it in an authentic way way that genuinely shows that you care because you actually care about their success in it. And I think a lot of times, too, that there's almost like a a bias or an oversimplification on the side of the agency of we're delivering this work, right, without thinking about the people on that side. And I will say that is definitely a fault of ours, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. When somebody goes above Anne's head four levels, that's a complete disrespect to Anne as a person, yeah. especially if you didn't have that conversation in the first place. And so I think that sometimes we get caught up in the work, and I know we're all famous on the agency side of saying we're not saving lives here, guys. Like, let's calm down a little bit and relax. But also, it's about thinking about what's important to that person in their job, no matter who they are at the table, and not doing it in a way of like, well, this is how we're going to sell it in, guys, but doing it in a way of like, all right, well, let's think about the landscape of what we're doing here and make sure that we have our eyes on the whole thing and that we're smart enough to anticipate what's going to come because of our experience, which is different than our experience in this industry, this mm-hmm. category, this whatever. And it's actually much more valuable. Yeah. And 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 on the surface, and people will think, oh, you're just trying to sell that in. You're just trying to get the win. You're just trying to win the project. You're absolutely right. We're trying to sell. Yeah, we're a business. That is we're our job. Tr- we're trying to win. The, we're <laughs> trying to win this assignment, but we're trying to win the right assignment, yeah. and we're trying to win it at the right size. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to go in and win a million dollar assignment, and then have two weeks in have the client realize, oh, this is only a two hundred thousand dollar assignment because then I got to change all the staffing plans and all the resources, and I also don't want to win a two hundred thousand dollar assignment and turn out to be a million dollar assignment because we won't have started that in the right place. We will have mm-hmm. had yeah. awkward and difficult budget conversations. Um, I also want to understand the motivation, right? If that design manager in that conversation sees this as truly breakthrough, well, we better sure we've budgeted and planned for designs that are revolutionary, right? right? And if that brand manager says, hey, look, I just need 3% growth. I just got to hang on to this. I don't want this to go down. It's going to be a tough year. Competition's doing this. We got some pricing increases or product supply. Well, that's important for us to know from our plan and what we need to do because that might be at odds with the breakthrough creative the design manager wants. Right. And how do we manage those two conflicting opinions, right? So, yes, we want to win that assignment. We want them to sign that. We want to we want to become the team that does that project, but it's got to be the right project and we got to set it up the right way. Yeah. All right, so just to recap, how to select an agency in today's world. The agency focus should be on problem solving, not process following. Client needs should trump this is how we have always done it. The agency's client lists are diversified and homogenous. Breadth of experience can counter the client's depth of knowledge in their business. The one-trick pony agency model has been replaced by the jack-of-all-trades agency model. Cross-platform messaging requires an understanding of all of the channels. And finally, good agencies know that relationships continue to be the name of the game. This is the one thing that hasn't changed and will not change and what makes for a strong agency-client partnership. So can I jump in on some of yeah. those? All right. Because I was like, I was listening to them and I was like, 
is there is there an agency kind of point of view or side to those? But they all kind of roll up in into an idea that I that I often use is that as you know, Anne, as you shop for an agency, right? Mm-hmm. As you consider your options for an agency, um, I want our agency, I want our brand Sterling, and I want our work and our team to be a magnet, right? That you're that you're right. drawn to. You've got to seek us out. If we're not talking to you, if we're not marketing to you, if we're not in your space, our magnet has to be strong enough that that you seek us out. Um, but in today's world, in that moment, after you found us and after we're talking, we need to be a mirror to your business and to your team, mm-hmm. right? I think in the past when Good it was analogy. magic, all right, you know, like our cool creative director in their black turtleneck was the magnet, <laughs> right? And and give us the assignment. We're going to come back with some big foam core boards. And three weeks later of not hearing from us, we're going to wow you. Yeah. Right. And then we went through the process. Yeah. And right. Whether it's our brand or our team or our processes, the magnet, it's come on in and let's just grind that sausage machine together, you and I, because ours is a unique sausage machine. Now it's kind of all the things we've said. Right. The magnet works. You come to us or we have found you. But let's put the mirror on both of us. Mm-hmm. right? Like come into our world and understand our team and our talent. And we're going to come into your world and we're going to understand your business and, and your challenges. And in that moment where we're looking at kind of each other's business and we're understanding it and reflecting it in both the way we work and the work we do, that's, I think, when it really becomes successful. And and being able to search for that agency that has the ability to look in their mirror, but also to look in yours, I think is kind of when you know you found the right one. Mm. I think that's I a strong that. analogy. Yeah. yeah. It's a fine point on what we've been talking about so far. Gold star for Scott. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I earned my venti. <laughs> you have asked for it, and now it's here. The Brand Strategy Workbook. Three insider secrets to build a powerful B2B brand to transform you from a commodity into a market leader. This strategy has been tried and tested on 20 plus industries over a combined 40 plus years of experience. Do you want to stand out in your industry and get more sales? Show you're different to attract and retain top talent? Build a brand that drives real business results? Then go to forthright-people.com forward slash brand strategy and get started now. All right. So our next segment is in the trenches where we give real world examples specific to industries and situations, but with broad application for anyone to digest and put them into action. So the first one here is you've talked a lot about how to select an agency, but from the other side, what are the best clients? And we have actually covered this a little bit, but I think I can put a finer point through examples at the very least on how this works. So Ann and I talk and we're not shy about talking about the fact that we both left bigger agency and bigger corporation because we were disenchanted by the grind, right? And the fact that we couldn't have immediate impact on our clients and that we couldn't assist in all the thing, all the ways we wanted to around education and how does what we do impact your business and showing that we understand your business, but then quickly being able to respond to that. It just honestly went too slow sometimes or it wasn't our bag, all of those different types of things. And so I think for us, it comes down to, can we make impact quickly? But what that means is that the client is open to that from us. And I think we use that for criteria pretty specifically when we go to talk to folks is, 
Are they asking us about us to the point of relationships? Are they not just talking at their problem and telling us what they need? Are they really focusing and helping us understand what they need and then listening in kind to hear back what we have to say? And some of it might be examples from their business, different business, all the things we've talked about today. But I think that we've talked about trust and respect from a relationship standpoint. And it's so important, especially when you're going to be vulnerable in those situations and we may be working with smaller clients or ones that, you know, are small businesses that can't necessarily always afford agencies, you know, looking at all of those different lenses, but really getting the appreciation because as the agency, sometimes you can feel like you're the vendor. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. a really tough spot to be in addition to you're really trying to make a difference and they're just killing my vibe (laughs) by not responding in kind. Yeah, I don't I don't think Anne's ever said this vendor is an extension of my team. No. Exactly. She'll say exactly. this this partner, which yeah. might have mm-hmm. previously been a vendor or this agency would be then an, an yeah. extension, you know, of her of her team. Yeah. Yeah. The the um all clients are great. Right? I mean we, <laughs> says the new business client. Yeah. He still he still hasn't he still hasn't <laughs> left that. Yeah, you know, I can't, can't shake can't shake it. <laughs> I can't shake it. Um but the the, the clients that are the best are are the ones that trust you uh, as an agency, the ones that are brave to make tough decisions and provide tough feedback, um, the ones that are empathetic to all of the factors, right? And it might be our factors at the agency. It might be the challenge uh, that that another agency partner is facing and all of a sudden their timelines moved, right? So you have to be empathetic to the how that snowball affects all your, your agency partners. Um, yeah, we want them to be strategic. We want them to be creative. Um, we want them to to really understand how we we work and our team and our roles and the things that we kind of put on the table and in front of them. Um, but a lot of that's the mechanics of working together, yeah. right? We've all worked with people that, hey, I've just moved into brand management from supply chain or I used to be in sales and now I'm in marketing and I've not done one of these projects for, although I've been on the business and in the organization for 10 plus years. So mm-hmm. some of those things like strategic thinking and creative feedback, um, we have to help teach them. Mm-hmm. That's great. We're, we're happy to do that and, and it has to happen and mm-hmm. it's often the agency's role. But the really great clients are the ones that have that trust, are brave, and you know sometimes brave is making the big, like I'm going to present this up to the CMO because I think it's wild. The other time it's brave is like, this won't work at the CMO level or the research level, but here's something that will, right? And helping us get there, right? Because yeah. it's always not about that biggest rock. You can make the biggest ripples in the pond. It's the one that makes the right ripples, right? So, and then and then empathy on both sides, right? Whether it's literal empathy, whether it's the mirror that, that we're all kind of looking into and, and working with each other, it gets you from vendor to partner. And I'll add, um, because I saw a a lot of this actually not happen as well as it should, is accountability Mm. on the client side. Um, Just because it kind of sets up the question I was kind of fishing for at the the very beginning about, like, how do you manage that dynamic? Because I see that dynamic being caused by a lack of accountability, right? So it's either we're going to put a brief out in front of the client that, you know, it's like, oh, we want the big breakthrough idea, but we really either can't afford it nobody's really going to be open to it. It's not what we really, really need. Or 
I, I the brand just can't accommodate it. Like so that happened a lot. Like we used to ask for big breakthrough ideas on Tide all the time. We used to drive our agencies crazy because <laughs> I mean, really, are you gonna do a big breakthrough, like, you know, out of the box like Tide X? No, you're just never going to. You do like a really fantastic partnerships, right? You know, through the NFL, through like the Olympics, through you know, all those sorts of things. But you it's a model that's worked for you know over you know seventy five years. It's we're not gonna break the model, right? So be honest, I think, and take accountability for the fact that your brand is what your brand is. And so if there is flexibility to go do the big creativity, that's great. But if that's not, then don't put your agency through the paces just to come back and say, no, we just want our kind of our traditional like TV advertising. Thank you very much. Right. Because what that does is it starts teaching your agency to like really limit their thinking um, because they're just going to regurgitate again what the industry prescribes. And that I saw a lot of that in the, in the CPG world where it just became like more of the same, more of the same, more of the same, which is fine. But you just have to take accountability for the fact that that's what it's going to be. So, and then at the end of the day, like when your agency is, you know, you're saying they're not coming back with the ideas that you want, take a look in the mirror. So we'll use the mirror back on the the client side (laughs) too and say, is that my fault? Did I set the expectations poorly? Did I set the guidelines poorly? Did I not provide a good enough brief? Before you just throw them underneath the bus in order to save yourself. So that's my little soapbox moment. No, but accountability is is key at, at every turn in these relationships and, you know, in relationships in general. In, in general. Um, but in these projects, accountability, you know, often rears its head when there's a problem. But you've yep. got to make sure you're doing it when it's good, too. Right. Like, are we accountable to the timeline? Are we accountable to the deliverables we promised? Are we accountable to mm-hmm. the brief? Um, are we accountable to the consumer that we know we're talking to? I might love this idea. I might love this execution, <laughs> but I'm not the target. Right. So are we accountable all along the way? We can have accountability conversations when we feel like you missed the mark. or You missed the brief or something right, like that. Right. And, and like you said, it's very much about setting expectations. Late Friday night, we got word that one of our clients is going to do a Super Bowl execution, right? And we're pretty excited, right? Because, yep. you know, there's just so much excitement about this. Late the... Friday night for a Super Bowl is happening on this Sunday? Yeah, just an execution, like nothing, you know. Huh? And so Monday morning, super early, kick this thing off. All the people, everybody wants all to be in this deck. conversation, right? Oh, all hands on deck, right? And we're all we're all excited. And there's all this talk about this is the brand that's going to do it, and this is our opportunity, and we've got some partnerships, and we've already we've used the licenses in the past, and we're allowed to use them again. And, and, and my boss, who who runs all of Sterling, just asks the greatest question: he says, "It's Monday. I, I, we're we're all excited, and this is amazing, and this is great, and we are going to do something wonderful here. But let's set some expectations. It's Monday. It's Monday, and the approval process on something like this from this client, from the NFL, from the properties." Is complicated. It's yes. Right. So, like, if we're going to get this execution done, let's set expectations about the range of creativity and the process around sharing those, revising them, vetting them, getting them approved, and getting them revised and produced. And, you know, it was not a bad thing. It was not cold water on our campfire of excitement. It was super (laughs) smart, right? And it helped us make sure that what we do this week, which is going to be crazy, and it's going to be a rush and everybody's working on it, is done in the right context, right? So we set expectations in that moment. I should say she set expectations in that moment right away. And it was super helpful. And we all kind of got out of there. It took us an hour for that to sink in and say, oh, yeah, thank God. 
We have that. Yeah, we have that. Because <laughs> otherwise we'd all be chasing these ideas and then we would have to do it all over again and maybe again and we'd be out of time. Yeah, and that's the thing is the Super Bowl doesn't move. So no, you either no. hit it or you don't. No, and those properties and their approval process are crazy. Yeah, you can't call and say, would you please look at this real quick? No. No, nope. It, not when they're all in LA already. Nope. All right, number two in the trenches. What is your advice if things don't work out or the fit is not there? And this is going to be a controversial one, but I'm going to say don't be afraid to walk away. Many of my old bosses would kill me for saying that. (laughs) Um, And honestly, I say this from either side, too. So we've talked a lot already about making sure to spend the time on their relationship, being honest and open and respectful, giving timely feedback, being okay, having the tough conversations. But quite honestly, sometimes all that might happen or maybe it doesn't, but the relationship is just not a good fit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Scott talked about when you're in the pitch situation and the first time you're meeting and you want them to hear and believe certain things about you. I mean, it's just like dating, quite honestly, right? You might love each other in the beginning and then you get a few dates in and you're like, "Eh, this isn't really working out so well. And so I think I've seen just so much waste Um, from the perspective of not wanting to let things go, again, on both sides, where someone just needs to call it and say, all right, we're walking away. Otherwise, you have just atrophy across the board. You have disenchanted employees. You have other accounts, if you're on the agency side, that suffer. Um, You have distraction, where accounts that might be going great aren't getting the attention that they should get. I mean, there's a whole bunch of reasons to do this. Scott mentioned brave before, and I think that that is what you need here. You have to have someone brave enough to say, this might be X amount of dollars for the organization, but at the end of the day, that money isn't worth whatever we're going through now. And then we would just say, exit gracefully, right? Do it as quickly as possible. Have that conversation. Preserve what you can Hopefully there's an appreciation on the other side for making the call and saying, you know, look, we both know this isn't working. So therefore, it's not me, it's you, you know, whatever. (laughs) Or it's not you, it's me, however that goes. (laughs) But all of that to say, I mean, I just I don't think that that happens enough. So that would be my perspective there. Or just it takes too long for the end to be called. And by then you have all kinds of other sacrifices because of it. Yeah, it's it's um, it's it's a tough one. Right. Because of, of what we've talked about on on wanting to win and grow business and, and solve problems and and do great work and make great friends. It's hard when you're you're saying goodbye to all of the above. Um, it, it is a necessary evil for a lot of reasons, sometimes because it's not working out. Sometimes we're not getting anywhere. Sometimes, you know, you need to walk away because a different client who's a conflict has come in or an agency mm-hmm. says, We've now have a new global AOR and we're saying goodbye to all our agencies, right? So they've they've ended for a lot of reasons. The, the hardest one is ending because it's not working. Yeah. And we're not getting what we want or you're not getting what you want or or we're not feeling that you understand our challenges. We're not feeling like you understand our work, right? That, mm-hmm. um, and it it has to happen sometimes, but it can be avoided. And um, there are ways to try and fix things. Um, there are simple fixes like different team members and rebriefing and rescoping and re-understanding. Um, we have we have gone through many of those conversations in my tenure in the industry about how about a different team, how about let's start a, let's start over or let's rebrief. Um, one time we went as far to actually do our own consumer research because oh. we didn't feel like the problem to solve was really the problem to solve. 
Mm-hmm. And let's Start. use some of our tools that we have at our disposal, a strategy team and a research team, and let's confirm that what we're trying to solve in this brief and this client is really the problem to solve. Um, it wasn't as far off as we thought, but there was subtle nuance in that that helped us reframe the discussion and restart the the conversation. But but April, like you said, when it has to happen, you have to do it quickly. You have to do it gracefully and you have to do it objectively. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. This all of a sudden, right? We've talked about relationships and friends. This is business and this is about the work. And this is about you came to us with a business problem to solve that involves your brand. We can't do that for you. Or we've hired you to solve a business problem that involves our brand and we don't think you can do it for us. And, you know, just like those unfortunate moments when we have to terminate employees. In any industry, you have to do it quickly. You have to do it very clearly, and it has to be done objectively. And I think when that's done and you can make that conversation about a very objective business problem versus a subjective feeling I got the last time I saw the work, mm-hmm. you have a chance at preserving that relationship. Agree. Um, it doesn't always work that way, right? Because we are human. We have egos, and they are fragile. Um, <laughs> and like we talked, like this is a lot to do with people's career and their well-being. And it can set them back. It can set them off. It can leave a bad taste in their mouth for the role, the project, the agency, whatever the the type of work. Uh, Years ago, um, right before I moved uh, to Cincinnati from New York, we were terminated by a client. Um, They weren't happy with the work. They didn't think we had what they needed to get it done. Had a very honest early morning conversation with this client at a Starbucks in New York. And we own up to it and said, look, you're not wrong. These things you said we did or didn't do, I see why you feel that way. I hear you and I I don't have an argument to say you're wrong. I have reasons why we got there, but you're not interested in those. And and I said, will you give us another chance? But not on this project Mm -hmm. and not in this fiscal when you think we're ready. And they have come back twice. Mm-hmm. Right. And and we've had them as a client and we've done done great work. Um, if you go into that moment and you say, well, that's true, but it's because of you. It's because of your fault. It's because of your team. It's because of your brief. It's because you don't know good work when you see it. Um, which could all be true. Which could all be true. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you're not going to get anywhere in that moment. And I felt in the moment I had to make a quick decision that that his objective reasons that were put on the table we're objective and fair. Um, you've got to keep it to that kind of tonality and that subject material, and you and you can move on. Um, but but you're right, April. It has to happen quick and it has to happen gracefully. Sometimes it's made so much worse by dragging it out. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And then you're in a situation where you can't undo this thing because mm-hmm. there's deadlines and there's media time bought and printer time reserved mm-hmm. and events planned mm-hmm. and trade booths being built. And you're like, oh, now we're stuck in this. Mm-hmm. So everybody's radar should be up when things get, you know, turbulent and everybody needs to be ready. I think that's well said. I don't have anything else to add. It's rare that anyone doesn't have a build. Yeah, so. I know. I know. <laughs> either, yeah, I know. You already know that already? <laughs> no, it's like either we've been doing this too long and we're running out of time. I don't know. <laughs> no, I just think that was really well said. I think it, it, it encompasses every single aspect about that. And if I was going to add anything to it, I would just a reminder that people's perceptions are the reality. Oh, so, yeah. right. So you need to acknowledge that. And you did in going into that conversation and you provided an open door versus what 
you know, handling it differently, could have closed that door and could have closed that door permanently and could have closed that door to future clients that you had gotten from that person. And yeah, so I think that was just really well done. That's a really good point about about perceptions versus reality. Yeah. yeah right. And where everybody comes into every conversation with their own perception, which sure happens do. to be their reality. Their reality, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll wrap up this conversation with our third and final question, which is asking each of us to give either a good example or not so good example of an experience that we have had and will be from the client side. Scott and I will be from the agency side. And so mine is going to be a not so good one. So wah, wah, I'll be that person today. Um, but I, I think it's really important, especially based on all the conversation we just had about when things aren't going so well. And so I obviously won't give any names in this particular instance. But what I will say is they didn't actually become a full-blown client. And it's because of the reasons that I talked specifically about before and the things that we've talked about all throughout this. It's that at the end of the day, the client said that they wanted our expertise and our abilities, and they just really didn't. And so... Quite honestly, it was a hard one to walk away from. It was shiny. It was really exciting. You know, everyone was so happy to see it come in the door. But I think it was one where we were brave enough to say we don't think this is a good fit. And actually, the client was angry a little bit at first because of their ego, right? Like, what do you mean you don't want to work on our business, right? But I was really proud in the moment because they came saying, like, Ann, you made the point before, we want to blow up this brand. We want to do something new. We're tired of this. It's not working. So we really want to just recreate it. And here's all the reasons why. But what it quickly got to was just shooting down all of the ideas to the point where the strategy and creative team were just you know, their spirits were completely diminished. But also we brought that brief back on the table and we're like, I'm sorry, but like, where are we missing the mark here? Right. And this was just a pitch. Like this was like a pitch to get the work perspective. Right. And so we were doing a whole lot of work and heavy lifting to get to that space. And finally, we just looked around one and said, you know, the amount we're investing at this point, if this is any indication, this is a bad move for us, just purely financially and energy wise. But number two, when we look at the clients we want to work with and the type of work we want to be doing, one of the things that's really foundational is having this partnership and having businesses that our employees want to work on and having projects that, yes, are exciting, but not at the sacrifice of everything else that we're doing in this office. And so we very gracefully and politely said, you know, we're going to take our hat out of the ring. We just don't think that this is a good fit. And then we did get some backlash. But I think in the long run, number one, we identified that that's not a group we want to work with anyway. Um, But we got so much unexpected excitement and thanks from the organization itself because they saw the leadership, one, put our money where our mouth is to say, we will turn down clients we don't think are good. We hadn't done that in a a real long time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And because of just the spotlight that was on this one, right? Everyone was excited when it came in. Well, we're in a six-week RFP type of situation and things were going south real quick. You know, the, the employees could see like, oh no, if we get this, do I really want to do it anymore? And so I I just, I think back on that experience and one, like I said, I'm proud because we really stuck to who we were as an organization and it can be really hard as the agency to walk away from those dollars and the shininess and the awards that could be won and all of those types of things. Um, but two, it just, For me personally, it brought back the reason that I am in this business and when it goes really well, why I love it. So 
It's a good example. And do you want to go from the, the client side now? Sure. I'll All go right. second. Right. Why? Me... Did I steal yours? No, no, no. We no. work together then, so that's no, not no, possible. No, no, no. Well, first, well, as, we, as you start, I'm like, wait, who is this? Do I know this? Do I know this? Do I know this? No, 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 no. no, 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 no. I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know this one. Um, no, but I want, to, I want some time to think about my example. I, I might change my example. Okay. So I'm going to buy some time with Anne's answer. <laughs> so I'll, I'll give a little bit of an answer to your question, but also a little anecdote in the answer. Um, because everybody gets a really big kick out of this um, because obviously a client switched over to the agency side. So um, my one of my very favorite agencies I've worked with, and I say this a lot, is Taylor Global. So they're my very favorite PR agency. They're fantastic when it comes to um, sports, but they do all kinds of other lifestyle stuff. So if you need a big you know, PR agency, they're the people to go to. And they worked with me on the Olympics. They worked with me on NFL programs. We produce fantastic work. And when I say you know, an agency is an example of an extension of me, they like were the epitome of that. So, um, and I was, I'm you know, still friends with one of the uh, the partners. And so um, when I left to go do my own thing, he was fantastic. He's like, you know, why don't you come on? You do some freelance business for us as you're kind of getting going. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to do that. And he goes, well, ironically, we're going to do Super Bowl for our, our corporate team. And I was like, okay, I, I'd love to do that. And, you know, and he said, well, you're going to be like working as part of our creative team and, you know, we'll share the brief with you. You could come back with some solutions and stuff like that. And I was like, all right, yeah, I'd love to do that. And so I, I, I went and I, you know, did all my work. And I was like, you know, having done like eight or nine Super Bowls, I'm like, I know what works in, in Super Bowl. Like, I know how the brands operate in Super Bowl. I'm like, I'm going to nail this. I'm going to nail it. Right. And so I presented my work. They went and they presented it to the client and they came back. I'm like, which one did they like? And he's like, they didn't like any of them. And I'm like, what do you mean they didn't like any of them? What is wrong <laughs> with these people? Did they know where they came from? And this and that and the other. And I was ranting for like a good like two minutes. And all of a sudden, I didn't hear anything on the other line. And all of a sudden, I'm like, you guys there? And all of a sudden, the phone unmuted. And they're all dying hysterically because they're like, hey, now you know how we feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome welcome to the other side. <laughs> yeah. And so that continues to be a funny story that, that gets told. You know, you know, Ann, when you thought you had like all the great ideas and then, you know, the, your own people told you your ideas weren't any very good. You know, I was like, yeah, okay, thank you. So um, it ended up being a good execution. So I will say that um, it could have been better if they would have listened to oh, my idea. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's a good execution. Saying. You can say great execution. Good. Yeah, yeah exactly. it was, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so that's my little anecdote within the story of the fact that I really appreciate the, the folks over at Taylor. They were teaching awesome. you a little bit of humbleness. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I got yeah. a big dose of that. Even <laughs> out the corporate world and nobody returns your phone calls anymore and all kinds of stuff. It's like way dropping grace, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, let's see. The, the question is when good clients, bad clients. Right. Is that kind of like an example that sticks in your head to kind of summarize the conversation when things went really well and you were proud or things didn't go so well? And I guess mine was kind of a mix, actually. Well, so there's an interesting story and I kind of feel like it has some has some notes and has some some threads to this. Right. So in my in my tenure in new business um, within a brand, you know, global organization, largest branding agency, offices around the world. Um, you know, we would get brought into a lot of RFPs and a lot of pitches because like, all right, who are we going to, who let's look at these agencies. And it was great. We were on the list. We were on yeah, a we're lot on the of people. Yeah, we we're on yeah. the roster. We we're on the list and we were in, and we had gone through a couple really big RFPs that we were really excited about brands that we weren't working with inside portfolio organizations that we weren't working with. And, 
you know, it kind of was, we were getting the feeling there's one, two, three, we didn't win any of them, felt like we were in it just to be the high price bid, mm-hmm. right? We never really had a chance, right? It was like, we kind of want to work with this agency. We're going to bring somebody in super expensive Ugh. and maybe we'll bring in somebody local. And the storyline is we're taking these guys because we've worked with them before. We're not going to spend all this money using this global agency. And this is too important to trust to a smaller, you know, local kind of maybe it's adaptive agency, not super strategic. Game in the system. Game in the mm-hmm. system. And we were skeptical and we were burned out. And the phone rang again for a brand that we hadn't worked with. Upstart energy brand. It comes in a nice slim can. And we were like, oh, this would be a great piece of portfolio. Do you know this one. You know, and this would be really incredible. And um, it required our team to move quickly and move a lot of people and do a lot of work to get ready for this big pitch. And the big pitch was in L.A. And it was right before the Christmas holiday, the same mm-hmm. day as another big pitch we had on the East Coast oh, with another client. And... We had to figure out how are we going to do both of these, right? They both were big opportunities. One was big revenue. One was big portfolio. We needed a team people that could that could do both of these in both places on the same day, you know, at the same time. And you could kind of feel the team leaning towards that East Coast pitch because we had been burned. And this is a client we work with on the East Coast. It was just a new brand. So they love us. We got a nice internal reco and let's go do this thing. And I just felt in the team, it wasn't just my decision. As a team, we got together and we said, do you think, think this is real? Do you think we're really in this? It's such a long shot. We don't have energy drink category. We're not SoCal cool. Like, <laughs> like you know, like, you know, what, why, why us? Why did they, they, they call us? Um, and we just said, the, we said, look, if it's real, we will regret not putting everything we have in this basket. We've got to go after it, right? And we had kind of some learned bad behavior and reaction to a situation that was not them. Mm-hmm. And um, late night phone calls, late night airline tickets, late night planning changed the game. We sent a whole bunch of people to L.A. We sent a whole bunch of people to New York. Um, and we won the L.A. We won the energy drink, drink business. And it was a great client for a long time. Mm-hmm. It was a great portfolio. But it was one of those things where all of this relationship stuff and all of this transactional stuff and all of this um, kind of widget-making lack of trust and it's just a, just a machine wore us down and kind of forgot why we were in this. Mm-hmm. Mm. And we almost got too deep into that rut and forgot about there's this energy, there's this great excitement in new clients, new projects, and new problems to solve and ultimately new friends. And that one mm. was real shiny. That one was real shiny. The office shiny. got real excited. Right? The office got, <laughs> got, got real excited. And we almost screwed it up. Yeah. You know. Um, I think that's a good point that we we talked a little bit around it and, you know, if things go bad, not allowing it to affect the rest of the office. But I think it, it can be hard to be rejected a bunch of times in a row, no matter what the situation is, right? If it's gaming the system and trying to, you know, Mm -hmm. do it that way, or if it's just like, gosh, we're always told we're more expensive, you know, to keep at it and keep at it and keep at it. And also to keep people invested in participating in those types of things. Because I think at that point, the agency was a little bit disenchanted and people were like, let me just go do my day-to-day work. 
don't I don't want I don't want to do that anymore. It's also above and beyond my usual duties. I mean, I think you're right. There was there was bad energy. There was bad behavior. I mean, pun intended, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there was just a lot going on around the office, and I think that that story is a good indicator of how it can take so little sometimes to change the tune of things. Yep. I mean, that one did. I mean, I remember that. Yeah, Later it changed. Day, it and was. We had a great culture where our our new business pursuits were everybody's new business pursuits. Yes. We were lucky enough. We had a culture of business development. Yes. Where everybody was aware, everybody was involved in one way or another. And on a weekly basis at Friday afternoon, we celebrated our wins and mourned our losses. Yes. And it just felt like there was a lot of mourning going on. Mm -hmm. And it felt like people put in a lot of great effort. A lot of long nights, a lot of great ideas, a lot of missed time with the family because they were on the road for these big pitches, and it's never working out. Yep. Yeah. And that that energy changed it. Yep. All right, Paul Spiller, were you team West Coast or team East Coast? I don't think I participated actually directly on either. I don't think you were on directly on either. No. Oh, gosh. I know. I definitely wasn't on that win. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think as he was talking who the other one was, but because I thought I knew, but it wasn't right. So yeah. anyway. Mystery. Mystery. Well, that mystery. would have been a good cherry on the on the Sunday of story that was. That was yeah, yeah. Story. yeah was... That would have been really crafty on the side yeah, exactly. of Scott if yeah. he was able to pat me on the back at the I same time. Need, I, I, I was ready powerful. for the other side of it. I was like, <laughs> oh, like I really screwed it up? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Also, very much like Scott. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that was, that was a pitch we made for a pet food company, and we were so off on that. I don't think you were in that one at, at the time. Uh, yes, that's right. That's right. But like, no, boy, did there. we get that wrong. We had everything about that project wrong for that pitch. We flew down, spent an hour with them, and we were just sideways from the get-go. Uh-huh. It was rough. And it and it we came back and we changed the way we, we read RFPs and looked at briefs because I do remember that. Yeah, yeah generally speaking, yeah. yeah anyway. God, so many memories. So many there memories. You go. So obviously Scott and I know each other from Instagram. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. Gotcha. <laughs> <There> you go. <laughs> okay. So our third and final segment um when we have a guest, we typically hand it off to the guest to either plug your business, talk a little bit more about anything, any advice you have from the episode, general thinking about how you think about work, and then, of course, let people know where to find you if they would like to reach out and chat with you more. Oh, well, absolutely. Well, well, hopefully, like through this conversation, um, you and the listeners have learned more about Sterling, right, mm-hmm. and, and where I work and kind of how we operate. and. Yep. You know, how we operate is driven by a philosophy, right? And that philosophy is we're in this together with our clients, and it revolves around trust and understanding. Um, We have evolved wonderfully over the years to be truly a strategic branding agency. Um, We've gotten broader in our reach in that kind of do-it-all conversation, and we can do anything for you. <laughs> but um, you're not saying you can do it no, all. <laughs> not saying you can do it all. Not saying it all. But, uh, but I think important to that is we believe that the parts of a brand that we work on are the absolute core of it and the foundation mm-hmm. pieces of it. And while we might not do it all, the work we do impacts all of it. And that's a responsibility we don't take lightly and make sure that, you know, if we work on a brand's pure strategic foundation and its core identity elements, knowing that it's going to go into a lot of hands, internal and external. And we can do a lot of that work and we have partners. And if we don't have the partners, we want to make partners with our clients' partners because we want to be an extension of their team as much as yep. an extension of our clients' team. Um, we can be found at sterlingbrands.com, freshly redesigned website. 
Check it out. Ooh, I haven't seen that yeah. yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's got some great new work uh, up there. Um, we've had a heck of a time managing the pandemic with, and, and I say that in a positive sense, it has done great for our business. Mm. Um, April, you, you've worked in a multi-office global orga- agency organization, and you've worked obviously in a multi-office global organization. The pandemic sent us all to the same office, the mm. same home office, mm-hmm. right? And, and our collaboration and our connection, uh, not just across disciplines, but across offices, across states, across tiers in our organization, um, it, it's been incredible. It's, it really has. And um, as we start to go back to the office next month, um, which is going to happen because like that's where fun and magic often happens. Mm-hmm. We had fun and we had magic working from home and we're going to be, be sad to leave it. So we're going to find the right balance for, for our organization. Um, I think additionally, we believe kind of what drives us is we believe in something we call living brand. Right. And we've talked a lot about kind of briefs and projects and ecosystems, but things are happening fast. And, you know, it's not just one thing showing up in one place executed one way anymore. And it's ever changing and it's ever flexible. And understanding those infinite and flexible executions at the moment of both creative and identity inception or reinvention is really the magic that we think is is at Sterling. Awesome. So, yeah. Where can they find you? Find me right down at Longworth Hall. <laughs> yeah. no, no. Well, you don't do anything on the digital space, so <laughs> no, no, sorry. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you can find me at scottellettsterlingbrands.com uh, or Instagram. Okay. Um, That's perfect. Or LinkedIn. Or LinkedIn. Yeah. All right. Perfect. All right. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you, Scott. I think you brought exactly what we needed to this conversation. So it's been a pleasure to have you and then have Anne's commentary to counteract us being the bullies in the room today, which is always fun. Exactly. It's a good (laughs) two-on-one. Thanks for keeping us honest, Anne. (laughs) All right. My pleasure. So just to recap, how to select an agency in today's world. Number one, the agency focus should be on problem solving, not process following. Clients' Client needs should trump. This is how we've always done it. The agency's client lists are diversified versus homogenous. Breadth of experience can counter the client's depth of knowledge of their business. The one trick pony agency model has been replaced by the jack of all trades agency model. Cross-platform messaging requires an understanding of all channels within the brand experience. And finally, good agencies know that relationships continue to be the name of the game. This is one thing that hasn't changed, will not change, and makes for a stronger agency-client longstanding partnership. And with that, we will say, go and exercise your marketing smarts. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. We can help you become a savvier marketer through coaching or training you and your team or doing the work on your behalf. Please also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing on your player of choice and sharing with at least one person. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.